We will be in Luke 17, 11 through 19. You can follow along in your Bible or on the screen. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. I want to begin this morning by talking about pain. And so I have a bunch of pain stories that I can recollect. One story I might want to tell you is the story of a couple summers ago and I started to have this abdominal pain and I thought, what's going on? And then all of a sudden I saw some bumps on my stomach and I thought, that's weird. I haven't been around any people with leprosy lately, so I hope it's not that. And then, and then um, actually went to the doctor and he was, like, he was like, hey, you've got shingles. And if you've ever had shingles, super painful. It connects to a nerve, kind of wraps around your body. Very, very painful summer, uh, trying to still get out and go camping and fishing and hunting and all those things, uh, yet with this little friend called Shingles all summer long was not the best summer of my life. That's one of the stories I might tell you about pain. Another story I might tell you, I might tell you, uh, I'll, I'll give you the abbreviated version of this one, is when I went to Russia on a mission trip I was a youth pastor at the time, so we went with a bunch of youth and their families, and we got to Moscow, and I was chewing a piece of gum, and a cap on my tooth came off, and I ended up in in, um, Russia's medical care system, which isn't great. I'll just just let you know. Uh, I got a root canal with no anesthetic, okay? It's as bad as you think it was. It was like a horror movie. At one point, I'll I'll spare you all the details, but at one point, it's just going to make somebody like, whoop. Um, uh, I leaned over to spit in the spittoon and there was somebody else's tooth in the spittoon, okay? Yeah, yeah, all right. You haven't eaten yet. You haven't had lunch yet. It's okay, okay? That's not even the worst one. It's not even the worst one. I might tell you this story. We, we spent a whole day riding roller coasters. Once again, I was a youth pastor at the time. Riding roller coasters and, and something just didn't feel right at the end of the day, it felt like something had dislodged or like something was hurting in my back and my stomach and it was weird and I, and like I didn't know what was happening. So I ended up in such extreme pain that I ended up in the emergency room and they said, you got, you got a couple kidney stones. I'm like, oh man, how, how, is, how, how painful is this? And they're like, well, you're gonna like give birth to a stone. I'm like, that sounds awful. And it was. And... So they gave me a lot of medication, but well, well, fast forward, because there was three of them. So I got through one, I got through two, third one was like a couple years later, all of a sudden I'm feeling something one morning, and Lori and I, we go to the coffee shop, and, 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 and we, we grab some coffee, and, and I said, hey, Lord, just why don't you, instead of coffee, grab me a tea this morning? She says, why do you, why do you want a tea? I'm like, I'm going to go past a kidney stone in the bathroom a second, so I don't really want coffee this morning. 
And I'm, I'm not, I'm, this isn't a joke. This is just my life, people. The name of the coffee shop was It's a Grind. I'm just letting you know. That's it's not even a joke. That's just my life. So pain stories. Do you have your own pain stories? Now, what's painful for you right now? That's what I want to ask. What's painful for you right now? What, what has been painful in a season of life? What has been painful in the past? What's painful right now? I'm going to give you some categories to think about. One might be physical pain, just like I talked about, right? Maybe you've had some physical pain. Maybe you have some physical pain in your life right now. On Tuesday night, uh, late Tuesday night, Alex uh, Erlen Bush texted me and said, hey, um, you're going to have to preach this weekend because Alex was supposed to be preaching today uh, because I've got COVID and my son's got COVID. So Alex, we're praying for you and for Sarah and for Aiden this morning. We were supposed to dedicate him at this service, so we'll do that in a couple of weeks. But let's keep uh, Pastor Alex in our prayers, right? Maybe it's something uh, physical, right? Um, we've got a, a camera op, um, Josh Rast, who we want to send our love to as well. He, he's been struggling with cancer, and so we've been trying to rally around him and encourage him. If you want to know more about his story or if you want to help be part of his GoFundMe, uh, come talk to me or Brandon or Sam or Kevin. Uh, we'd love to share with you a little bit more of that story. We know you've got stories like that as well, something physical in your life, some pain, some injury, something going on that is hurting in your body. Maybe it's, maybe it's not bodily. Maybe it's emotional. Uh, I'll just say this. The mental health crisis right now, we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg. That's what I believe. Like I'm preparing myself for that as a pastor right now. I'm feeling that as a pastor right now. Uh, I've, I've uh, talked personally uh, to two sets of folks who were part of Montana, who are part of Montana State University, one an RA, and then uh, one just a friend of somebody else. Within the last seven weeks, there's been two suicides at Montana State University. I, I talked to um, a guy by the name of Stephen, uh, who helped uh, our band and a bunch of other bands that are calling themselves 406 United. They're a worship collective. Uh, they're creating this album. Really, really cool. If you want to hear more about that, talk to Brandon. They're actually having a dinner on the 3rd uh, to kind of preview that concert and, and that album. But the, the guy who was helping to produce that brought him in from, I believe, Nashville. And his name's Stephen. And he was talking to me about all the churches that he works with. And he said, Brian, I've never seen anything like it. I know personally 12 pastors who have taken their lives in the last 18 months. He's like, I'm just, I'm just like waiting for the next one. So, so maybe the pain right now for you is emotional. Like, I think there's a ton of us, if we're honest, who are in pain. Some of you are, are at home and you're like, I just couldn't, I couldn't physically come because like, I, couldn't, I couldn't handle that emotionally right now, right? Maybe that's the pain that you're feeling. Maybe you're feeling a relational time of pain. You're like, uh, this is that time when I have to like, get together with family, Right? Time of year, and like, well, crazy uncle's gonna be there, right? You knew that was coming. Thanksgiving, you were like, it was fun, but it was like, yeah, a little awkward, and you know Christmas is coming, and you know you've got some relational things to deal with. You gotta deal with your ex, you gotta deal with mother-in-law, father-in-law, mom and dad, kids. Maybe there's an issue with your kids right now. Something relational that's really challenging for you in this season. We know relationally this time of year, it's a super difficult time for people. It's a very, very hard time of the year. Maybe it's spiritual. 
Maybe you're in a season where you would just say, Brian, I, I just don't hear God very well. Uh, I, like I try to read my Bible and it's just like words on a page and I, like, I'm, not, I'm confused by it. Maybe you'd say my prayers feel like they're, they're just like hitting the ceiling and bouncing back to me. Maybe your soul is just feeling, feeling weary and painful. Um, and maybe you've got a heightened sense of your own sin in this season. Maybe you're coming to the realization within this series about the gospel that the gospel comes as good news because of our sin and brokenness in our lives and you're wrestling with it right now. And there's this deep pain around your sin that you're seeing in your own life, in the life of others, and in the world around you. And I want to enter into that pain as we enter into this story because we've got 10 lepers who have something in common with us. They have pain in all of those areas. They have physical pain. They have sores all over their bodies. Very painful sores, and there's no way to get rid of them. They're in relational pain because they're cut off from family and friends. They're living in leper colonies, right? They're relegated to leper colonies, so they're feeling a sense of relational pain. They're feeling emotional pain. Can you imagine how lonely that must be? That these folks would be so, so lonely, these 10 men that are struggling with this physical ailment and they are cut off from society, that they are intensely lonely. Maybe it's spiritual for them. Like they can't even, they can't even go to the temple. They're unclean. These folks have to walk into any area that they walk into and they have to let everybody know in that area that they are unclean. Stay away from me. Even in the passage, they stood at a distance from Jesus, right? They were good at social distancing ahead of their time, okay? They were in pain, physical, relational, emotional, spiritual. And so we want to enter into this story because I think it, it, it can help us understand how we should respond to the good news. Because I've been telling you this throughout this series, Bob and I have been telling you this throughout the series, when you get to the heart of the gospel, you recognize how good it is when you first realize how bad it is. You recognize how great the news is, how amazing the news is, when you come to grips with how painful and hard the bad news is in it. First, So let, let's look at this little story and see what it can teach us about how we should respond to the gospel. Luke 17, 11 through 13, we're just going to walk through the passage. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as they were going into the village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. What do you do in the midst of your pain? What do you do in the midst of your suffering? What do you do in the midst of your sin? You cry out to Jesus. You cry out to Jesus. We are separated from God by sin. We are separated from God in our pain, in our anguish, in our weariness. And there's a bunch of different things that we could do. We could go hide out. That's what Adam and Eve did, right? First, first father and mother, they just they were like, ah, I don't want to talk to God. I'm going to go hide out. I'm going to go hide out. I don't, I don't want to talk to God right now. I don't feel good about this whole sin thing. 
right? We, we could isolate from others. We could try to muster up the courage and figure it out ourselves, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. Or, or we could cry out to Jesus. These lepers show us the first response when Jesus enters the room. The first response when Jesus enters the room is to cry out to him, Master, save me. Master, have mercy on me. As they say, have pity upon me. That is the cry of our hearts. Can I be honest? Some of us, we pretty up our prayers. You don't need to have pretty prayers. You need to have honest prayers. Jesus wants you to cry out in the mess of your life, in the pain of your life, in the ripple effect of sin that is all around you. Jesus doesn't need you to tidy it up for him. He sees your sores. He sees the sores that are on you, that are on the people around you, that is in the world around you. All you are asked to do is to cry out to him passage goes on. Verse 14. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, pay attention to that. As they went, they were cleansed. We cry out to Jesus. And, and, then, and then what do we do? What do we do when Jesus is with us in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our brokenness? Jesus commands them to do something. That's what's really interesting. He, he commands them uh, to go and be obedient, to go to the temple. Might seem like an odd request to us, but in that day, in that age, if you had something going on, a disease, in particular like this skin disease, you can look in the Old Testament at some of the Levitical laws, the way that you would be proven that you were clean and could re-enter society and start offering sacrifices once again and entering into the temple once again was if you went to a priest and that priest declared you not unclean, but clean. So Jesus says, go and worship. Go to the place that you want to give sacrifices to so that they can declare you clean. And here's the thing. They could have said, I'm just going to stay here. Jesus, I saw what you did to the guy who was blind. You did the mud thing. You spit, which was a little weird. And you made a mud ball, which was also weird. Stuffed, stuffed it in the guy's eyes, cleaned it off, and he could see again. No, no, no. Jesus says, hey, go to the temple. If they'd stayed there, they wouldn't have been able to see what God wanted to do with them. It's this first moment of response. They have to go because you know when they were healed? Look at the text. As they went. As they went. I want to be sensitive because some of you are in immense pain right now and I don't want to say, "Hey, you know, pull yourself up." Get yourself out of, your, out of your own way, you know, get out of that muck and mire on your own and take a step forward. But I do want to say to you, find a way to step forward. Be brave, be courageous. Ask for help. Get somebody that can help you take a step forward, especially if you're in pain. And then if that pain is being caused by sin, can I say it this way? Do something about your sin then. 
take a step in that sin. I, I heard a pastor say it this way recently. He said, we don't hate our sin as much as Jesus hated our sin. Because Jesus was willing to die on the cross to give himself up for our sins. And we like play around and manage our sin instead of trying to kill our sin. We don't take it serious enough. We don't ask for help and accountability. We don't drag it out into the light and say, here is my sin. I want you to fix it, Jesus. We hide it in a closet and pretend that I can, like, I can manage that. I'm okay. I'm going to be all right. Don't worry about that, Jesus. Look at all these nice, pretty things, Jesus, but don't look over here, right? What is your response? That's the question. That's the question. What is your response to Jesus in the midst of your pain? See, he's in the midst of the pain with these guys. He's not walking away from their pain. He's not even doing the magical like, you know, here we go, you're clean. Like he's just saying, hey, go present yourself to the priests so they can declare you to be clean. Why? Because he's in the midst of the pain with them. He's in the midst of the hurt with them. What is your response to the pain? In the midst of your pain, Jesus shows up and he wants you to Respond. He wants you to take little steps, but I also think he wants you to take one giant step. And that's what I really want to spend our time on this morning. The one giant step that I think will be life-changing for us this morning as we respond to the good news of Jesus. Luke 17, 15 through 19 says this. One of them... When he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. I'm going to pause right there. We can leave the scripture up. But listen, he, can you imagine this? He gets like halfway to the temple and is like, hey, I ain't got no leprosy anymore. And instead of going to the temple, he doesn't, he's like, I don't, I don't care. He goes back to Jesus, which you would kind of think would be the natural inclination, right? Like, hey, Jesus, I'm coming back to you because you're awesome. And that priest, he just yelled at me a lot, right? Like, I'm gonna go back to you, right? So this is what he does. So one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. Like the cry has changed here. Did you notice this? They cried out in a loud voice, Jesus have mercy on us. He's now praising God with a loud voice in a very, very different way, right? So he, he, he threw himself at Jesus' feet. And he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered, We're not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Only, only one of the ten shows back up. We're, we're in this series called The Gospel for Every One, but nine don't show up. Only one does. Nine don't show up, but only one does. So how would you respond if God miraculously healed you? How would you respond if God miraculously saved you? How would you respond to him? That's what I want us to dwell on because it, like, if you missed the last couple of weeks, please, please, please go back to them, but I'm gonna give you a, a summary, okay? 
Jesus created, God created, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit created a beautiful, perfect earth. It, it took one, two, three chapters of the book for us to mess it all up. We're really, really good at it. I don't even know. We're just great at it, okay? He's great at making things perfect. We're pretty good at messing things up, okay? We break everything. We, we fall. And we feel the ripple effect of that in our lives. But God has a greater plan. And so 2,000 years ago, Jesus, God in the flesh, shows up and lives a perfect and sinless life. He does things like the story we just talked about. He heals these 10 lepers. He restores the blind, their sight. He helps people who can't walk, who haven't walked for years, stand up and walk. And he offers resurrection and new life to all of us. Ultimately going and giving his life on the cross for the sins of everyone. That everyone who would respond would be saved. He doesn't stay in the grave, but three days later he rises from the grave. And we celebrate this every Easter. And we should celebrate a little bit more. I'll, just, I'll get into that in a minute, okay? And we celebrate that Jesus conquered sin and that he conquered death and he offers to you freely new life in him. And not just today, but forever. In the book of Revelation, we get a glimpse of what's to come and glory is to come. Glory beyond your imagination. Glory where life is fully restored and you are with God. And that is what is offered to you, it's a pretty good deal, I promise. You don't do much other than sin, and God says, hey, can I give you everything? And you say, what? What do you say? Like, what do I say? How do we respond? Here's what, how we need to respond. We need to respond like the one, right? The gospel response. The good news response is this. More Thanksgiving feasts. More Thanksgiving feasts. I'm, t- I'm just telling you, okay? Listen, let me, let me talk to you about last week. It was so good, you guys. Okay, other than the like, hey, you gotta preach, and it was Tuesday night, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm gonna, I'll come up with something. <laughs> okay, which is what I'm doing right now, okay? I'm like coming up with something. All right, now, so last week, uh, it was my buddy's 40th birthday, one of my best friends from college, uh, his wife and him and Lori and I, we all went on our 10 year anniversary together to Hawaii and we've like been through some amazing hard trials um, in terms of like the births of our children and just incredible things that have drawn us together as great, great, great friends. And it's his 40th birthday. And so uh, Eileen says to, uh, says to us, hey, Matt's having his 40th birthday in Denver and man, I'd love, we'd love for you to come. Well, we were like, ah, we can't really do that. And then last second, I'm like, babe, is there any way we could go? Like, I really, really want to go see Matt. I really want to surprise him. Really want to go to his birthday. And so she, she calls her mom and um, God bless you, mom. I love you. My mother-in-law is so amazing. Uh, we'll get to Thanksgiving dinner soon as well because she's like good with my kids and amazing with turkey. So, you know, hey, it's pretty good. So, she said, I'll take the kids. So Friday, we drive out to Denver, whirlwind, right? Get there late, 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 stay at the night at my parents' house. Next morning, get up. 
run to Ikea because when you're in Denver, that's what you got to do. Go to the furniture zoo. Anyway, we get through the furniture zoo and then we go. And if you, if you know that joke, that's because you've been to Ikea. If you don't, you should go. Um, okay. <laughs> go to my friend's uh, place mid-afternoon, send him a text like, hey man, wish I could be there. Heard they have a big party tonight. So bummed. And he, he doesn't send me anything back. I just send it. We drive around the corner and I just stand out in front of the house like, what's up, dude? <laughs> and he freaked out, right? And he's like, why are you here? I'm like, dude, we drove, we drove for you. Like, that's, that's what friends do. And, and then, you guys, we had the most amazing party. Now, we were all tired by 9 o'clock. So we're on our 40s. But, like, we kept going. We pushed through, Right? We, we went to this uh, unbelievable place where there was go-karts and, and there was laser tag and these teenagers just whooped us in laser tag. I have no idea how we got beat so bad. Uh, bowling and I mean, it was just unbelievable fun. And then we went back to their house and we had this huge buffet of food and we had drinks and fun. There was a dance party, you guys. We had an impromptu dance party with a bunch of 30 and 40-some-year-olds. That's what happens when you get a night away from your kids. I'm just letting you know, okay? It was amazing. And then we hustled back here because it was Thanksgiving week. And on Thanksgiving, like my, my in-laws just know how to do it. Like, okay, so very important spiritual question. Who in the room and online prefers turkey? Turkey, all my turkey lovers here. A few of you, yep, okay, good, great. How many of you prefer ham? Yes, my people, pork, okay, yeah. Post online what you, what you think, turkey or ham. It doesn't matter at, at their house because we get it all, okay? We get it all, it's amazing. We went to my mother-in-law's house over there in Churchill. There's like 35, 40 places set up. Family, friends, huge long table fills their entire house. And there's this really sacred moment every single year where my father-in-law, he he like messes with all of us in-laws and tells some jokes about all of us. And then he goes around the room just saying how thankful he is for everyone around that table. And those are just these moments when I think, why don't we do that more? Like, why is it that we only celebrate like that on big birthdays or on Thanksgiving or on Christmas or on Easter? Why is it that Christians are not the most grateful of all? Can I give you permission? Permission to party. (laughs) That's, That's what I want to give you this morning. I want to give you permission to party. I'm serious. Like, Christians have more to celebrate than anyone else, hands down. Do we not? Like, like, we can have nothing and have everything, you guys. Like, that's the secret to life. People can have everything and have nothing. We can have nothing and have everything. Our natural response should be one of gratitude, one of Thanksgiving, we should be the ones who party like rock stars, right? Like, I did this sermon back in the day up in Big Sky, and the sermon was titled this, Bring Better Wine, okay? Don't be the chip guy. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
Like, hey, everybody's bringing food. What are you bringing? Chips and salsa to Thanksgiving. Are you serious, dude? And I know a few of your college students, you're like, that's all I can afford. That's fine, dude, that's fine. Someday when you get a little more money, buy the nice wine and bring it. And some of you are like, oh, hey now, alcohol. Careful, careful, Pastor Brian. I'm a Baptist. Okay, all right. <laughs> if you have an alcohol problem, you shouldn't drink. Seriously. Like, your sin, if your sin, right, is an addiction to alcohol, you should kill that. You should drag it out in the open and kill it, okay? But, do you know what Jesus' first miracle was? Anybody? He turned water into wine. Like, I'm just telling you. Like, you're like, I don't like it when you preach about that kind of wine stuff, Brian. I'm like, take it up with Jesus, okay? Because Jesus shows up to a wedding feast, right? This is a precursor to everything. Like, this is what Jesus is all about. He shows up to a wedding feast. His mother says, hey, they ran out of wine. And, and Jesus is like, not my time, not my time. So he's like, no, no, it's your time. It's, mama says, it's your time, okay? He says, okay, fill up all these vats. And he turns water into wine. Why? Because Jesus brings the better wine. That's what he does. Like, he, he, he makes life tangibly better. Like, it's not a mistake that in the book of Psalms, Psalm 34, it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Don't just think about nice thoughts about Jesus. Like, taste and see that the Lord is good. Christians should be those who just say, hey, we know the richness of life, the fullness of of life, and we bring it to everywhere we go because we live in such a posture of gratitude. Like our whole life is a life of gratitude. We don't deserve this life. There was a, a study done um, in 2017. It's called the Gratitude Project. He looks this up later. It's really cool. Uh, a very well-known uh, college uh, did this study. Uh, of about 300 mostly students who had come in for counseling help. They wanted to get some counseling. They weren't, weren't doing great, needed some help. And, and so in the midst of this, they said, hey, let's do a study, uh, a gratitude study. And so what they did was they randomly assigned uh, a third, a third, and a third, uh, 100, 100, and 100 to do different things. So the first 100, they said, hey, um, go to counseling and just do whatever the counselor says and, and, and just come to counseling. And so that group just came to counseling. The second hundred, they said, hey, uh, come to counseling. And then we want you to journal about your emotions, your, like your, what you're thinking, what you're feeling, all of that. And then the third, they said, hey, we want you to come to counseling. And then we want, to, we want you to do something weird. We want you to write one thank you letter every week. And they wanted to see what would happen. Well, after week one, nothing, not much happened. After week two, a little bit happened. After week three, uh, that third group that wrote the thank you letters, like the way they were talking in the counseling sessions was way more positive than the other 200. By week four, th through week 12, they could measure brain activity and the brain activity was significantly different from the 100 that were writing thank you letters every week than the other 200 that were doing really important and good things. They were all getting more healthy, but these folks were getting more healthy than anybody else. Do you know why? We were wired for this, you guys. 
We were wired for gratitude. We were wired for thanksgiving. We spend way too much time complaining. And that's what I see in the world around us. I see so much bitterness and anger and complaining. I see so much judgment. I see so much of us looking at other people's lives and envying their lives and being ungrateful for what we don't have rather than grateful for what we do have. So I would challenge this. I would say, our response to the gospel reveals our understanding of the gospel. Our response to the gospel reveals our understanding of the gospel. How we respond to the good news of Jesus, that Jesus saved us from sin, death, ourselves, pain, it reveals how we understand the gospel for everyone. It, It's the guy who shouldn't have responded that responded, you guys. Did you notice that? Jesus says, wait a minute, like you're the the foreigner. Like what happened to all the other nine? You want to know why? Because he understood the gospel. Like sometimes we get so dull to the gospel because we've heard it a thousand times. And we forget how we should live a, a stance of gratitude. And we start comparing our lives or, or complaining about things or, man, the world is so bad instead of realizing that we're the one out of the nine that needs to be grateful. The one out of the nine that needs to shine like no other in our dark culture. It's the Samaritan who shows up because he realizes how good this news is. I love being around new Christians. Just telling you, like, one of the best things to be around as a new Christian. Everything's so fresh and new, and they, they just can't even believe that God would die on a cross for them. Like, they're like, why? Why would they do that? They just come to life because of the good news. Our response to the gospel reveals our understanding of the gospel. If you're having a hard time experiencing gratitude, sharing gratitude, living a life of gratitude, I would encourage you, go back and look at the gospel because maybe you've missed it. So I wanna end. I wanna end by encouraging you to be thankful. Here's the question. What can you do to be thankful today? What can you be thankful for today? I just dream. What if in a room this size, folks online, if all of us took this really serious and went, I've been saved from so much. And because of that, I have so much to be grateful for, so much to give, what, what if all of that gratitude was unleashed in the lives of everyone around us because we were not the nine, because we were the one? What if Christians were the most grateful people in the world, the most thankful 
people in the world. Do you not think that that would change things right now? You guys, we need this. We have to have, the world has to have this. It's gonna get harder to be a Christian, but it's gonna get way easier. The one out of the nine will always stand out. We live in a world that is fueled by being ungrateful. Your social media feed, your, your shopping list, your Amazon, they, they are fueling one thing, that your life isn't good enough, that you don't have enough, that, that you should be envious of other people. You went on your social media feed this week and you're like, how are they always so beautiful in their Thanksgiving photos, right? Like it made you think like, I should, I should get better Thanksgiving photos. You went, on your, you went on your Amazon and you're like, how did they know that I was thinking about buying that lawnmower? Like, I, don't, I didn't even talk to anybody about this. So it's like they're in my head. Yes, there's an algorithm for it. There's an algorithm for it. And it's all fueling you to not be thankful. Be, be different. Be unlike the nine. Be the one. Unleash gratitude on this world. Here's what I want us to do. I want us just to close our eyes and I want us to have a little mini Thanksgiving feast because I want you to get a taste of what you can do all the time. I want you to think about the things you can be grateful for right now. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your friend Maybe, maybe it's your friend that you haven't called in a while and you are like, I'm gonna call him or her this week. I'm gonna thank him for being my friend. Maybe you are grateful for the views here in this valley, for the mountains that surround us. Maybe you're thankful for this morning, a moment where uh, life outside just kind of melts away and you can connect with God listen for his voice, sing songs to him. Maybe you can consider Jesus' death on the cross, Jesus rising from the grave, and Jesus preparing a feast for us someday. Jesus, we have so much to be thankful for. Help bring these things to mind. Help stir our hearts for you. Help us to respond in gratitude to this good news, to this gospel. Jesus, we love you. You're the king. We give you. We give you our thanks and we give you our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for engaging with this content. If it was encouraging to you, we'd love for you to leave a review. Hit that subscribe button and share this content with others. We'd also love to connect with you. The best place to do that is journeyweb.net. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Journey Church Bozeman and you'll find us there. If you'd like to give to our ministry, you can do that now at journeyweb.net slash give. Once again, thanks for engaging with Journey Church.